So poor old George. George didn't realize he, he had, you know, we, we don't really see Mary praying. Now, she does talk about praying in the, in the movie. But I mean, poor old George, he, he's got a woman that has set her eyes on him. And you know how it is sometimes, guys, right? Once that happens, it's over with, right? It's over. You know, it was almost, it was really over with. He just didn't know it. It just took him a few years to finally admit it. I mean, even there, that last scene that we just saw, which again is still early in the movie, I mean, there it is. His purpose is right. It's destiny, the, the one who is going to help him fulfill his purpose, the one who, who loves him. And she, I mean, she's speaking at that, you know, at 10, 12 years old, she's, she's wishing it, you know, when she throws a rock and do the whole thing. And, and there she is. And what's, what's George still doing? He's still holding her, says, I don't want to ever be married anymore. I don't want, I don't, I don't want any ground floor. I don't want this. He's still fighting against his purpose. He's still fighting. George was really, he was a miserable man. I mean, he was a, he was a very, you know, very, uh, I guess you could, you could actually use the word discontented to, to say who George was. He, was. he was like looking for something else, no matter, and here's the crazy thing, is he was so discontented, yet he was changing the world. I mean, that's what we learned in the movie, okay, if you don't know. We learned how his life changed the world. But he was so discontent with everything around him. He was so very, very, very sad about all the stuff going on. And, and, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, to me, it doesn't sound so much like, and when, if you've never watched the movie, you might not get this, but if those of you have, you probably can think of, realize this. If you haven't watched the movie and you get to watch it this Christmas season, think about this as you're watching it. You know, that, that, how, how, how sad he was and how, how discontented he was, and yet he's changing the world. And I wonder how many times we also do the same things as we kind of get sometimes all by ourselves. Maybe we get alone. Maybe we get left out. Maybe everybody else is doing something and we get left at home and, and we think nothing's happening. We get so discontented or so sad or, and we don't realize how much of the world we really are changing. Like Jonah. Let me tell you, y'all know, y'all know Jonah? Jonah, he was the guy that God said, go speak to Nineveh because their wickedness is so bad, I, I'm going to destroy their city. Their wickedness is so bad. Aren't you glad that this is an Old Testament? I mean, man, the way God worked in the Old Testament, man, he just said, I, you know, I don't have a lot of grace here because, you know, Jesus brought grace to us. I'm glad we don't live in the old, how many, how many of us, how many of our hometowns might have been just zapped by God, you know, if we were still in the Old Testament today? He said, he said Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He was a lot like, George, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Why don't we go to Nineveh, all that junk and all that stuff going on there? I don't, I don't want to go to Nineveh. God said, no, but I want, you, I want you to go tell them, warn them. He said, I don't want to do it. And so he runs away. You know the story. He gets on the boat, right? They throw him overboard, and he is swallowed by a fish. And, until, and then he repents, and God has the fish throw him up on, onto the land. And, and when he throws up on land, he's headed to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh. You know what he does? Let's, let's look at some of the scripture. Okay, Jonah, this is chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, this is chapter 3, verse 1. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, God changed his mind, and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. And Next chapter, chapter four, verse one. But do you see what's happening there? He preached and, and, and what he was preaching about, people repented. Now that's the kind of thing that, you know, pastor, I mean, like today, if, if I have two or three people just come up and say, pastor, I really need Jesus in my life. I'd be like, man, this was awesome service. He had a whole city because of his preaching. He had a whole city that turned to God. You know, but you know what? 
it says in the next chapter, the very next verse says, this change of plans by God greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. Exactly what God sent him there really to do happened and he got mad about it. I mean, this is almost the way George was, is that everything was working in a, in a direction that was making his life an awesome life, a wonderful life, and all he could do is he, could, he, he, he just got upset about everything going on around him. And so Jonah, he got angry, upset. He went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Okay, God, you said you would destroy them. Now they're repenting. You say you're not going to do that. So he went outside the city and he just found him a place to sit down. He said, okay, I'm just going to look and see what you do with this city. And the sun started beating down on his head and God allowed a plant to grow and then God allowed the plant to die and uh, a lot of this thing. And then finally it says, the sun beat down on Jonah's head until he grew faint and wished to die. And he exclaimed, death is certainly better than living like this. Only, only probably preachers that are in the room will completely understand this. But just about every preacher has probably felt that way on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> that you preach it and, and, and you feel like you just blow it, you know, and you've got this great, awesome message as you studied all week long, and then you blow it on Sunday morning and you just go home and say, I just want to die. You know, I, I, I had one, one guy that I met, he, he, said, uh, he said that on a lot of Monday mornings, he said, I always wanted to, he said, I want to write the note, my resignation, wrap it around a brick and throw it through the stained glass window on my way by, driving by the church. So, cause you know, I've heard a lot of pastors say, I've resigned on a lot, of, a lot of Monday mornings because of how poorly I did on, on Sunday, just feeling like I, I've blown it. But this guy didn't blow it. What he did was working. He, was ch he changed an entire city, and yet what's he doing? He's like, oh, to die is better than live like this. He had exactly what he was supposed to have. He had purpose just falling into his lap. I mean, he should have, man, he should have ordered some business cards and hit the road as an evangelist. Because, man, his word, I mean, it was getting there. I mean, people were changing, but he couldn't do it. You know what's happening? Same thing was happening to him that happened to George. Is there was something in his life that was keeping him from running away from his purpose. Jonah tried to run. God had a fish waiting on him. Jonah, Jonah spoke the word, and, and you know, and the way I read the word, you know, it wasn't like, it was when he gets to Nineveh, he doesn't say, oh, you guys, you better repent because God's going to do it. 40 days, God's going to kill you. He's going to kill every one of you dead. No grace, no love, no, nothing. I mean, but still God honors that because this is his purpose. And it's like God won't let Jonah run from his purpose, just like George. You know what? He can't run from your purpose. You got, I'm going to keep you in your purpose. It's like every time George tried to leave town, you know, in the movie, every time he tried to leave town, every time he tried to, 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 to do something, it's like something kept pulling him back. Something kept pulling him back. Something in his life, just like Jonah's life, would not let him run from his purpose. You know what? I pray the exact same thing over you. I pray that God never lets you run from your purpose ever again. I pray God just keeps you so tied to your purpose because, listen, all of your success, all of your blessings, all of your miracles, all of your anointing, all of your power, all of those things, everything you need is tied to you fulfilling your purpose. It's like being obedient to what God has already done in your life and called you to do. It's, it's that. And so I pray that, that when, when you try to run and, and hide from your purpose or you try to get lost in doing something else, I pray, I pray that God goes and finds you and drags you out, kicking and screaming, 
get you back in your purpose because otherwise I got to hear from you every Sunday about how bad this week was. You know, if I was ever, and, and, you know, and, and you've heard me say, those of you who are, we've got quite a few first time attenders with us this morning, but those of you who've been around, you've heard me say, I, I'm not gifted as a counselor. You know, because you come to me, you know, and I tell you, well, here's what I believe you need to do. You know, the next time you come to me and talk to me, you know, it's like, if you hadn't done what I've already told you to do, I don't really have anything to tell you yet. Get back and do what I've told you to do. You know, that's not really the spirit of the counselor. So God hadn't called me to do a lot of counseling. You know, I'm a pastor. I want to pray with you and I want to challenge you. I want to get in the middle of what you're doing. Say, you ain't doing it right. Come on, let's get this thing together. Get back into your purpose. Fulfill that and see what God can do. And I pray that God does that. I pray he never lets you just languish. You know, if you're, you're in counseling, I pray he never lets you languish between your counseling appointments. I pray he never lets you just, just go to sleep between your appointments with the pastor. You know, if we have lunch together, I pray he never lets you get easy with it and just say, well, it can wait till later. I pray you have, just like George and Jonah had, I pray you, like I've had, that God, who will never let go, and say, you have to fulfill your purpose. Because your life is in the balance. Everything about you is in the balance if you don't do it. Okay, so let's talk about something right here. Let's talk about distractions. Anybody have any distractions in your life? Like yesterday, I, I had three days ago, four days ago, I had one thing on my calendar yesterday to go watch my little six-year-old granddaughter at her dance recital. One little thing on my calendar. So you know what? I was thinking about all these other things I'm going to get caught up on, right? I didn't get to any of those. I was running from the moment I got up yesterday until way after dark last night, and I only had one thing on my calendar four days ago. Come on, I mean, isn't that the way life happens sometimes? Yeah, distractions. Distractions. We, we get so distracted. And some of the distractions cause us to maybe just want to just quit and go like George. But it even happened to Jesus. Do you know that it even happened to Jesus? He, would, he began to get distracted from the purpose. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, this is the night before Jesus is going to be crucified. And he knows what's going to happen to him tomorrow. And he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you read that real quick, you kind of think, well, he prays for about five minutes and then he goes back and prays. No, no, no. He prays for at least an hour every time, prays three different times. And this is what it says that he prays. This is, this is the gist of what he says. He went a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering, this cross, the beating that I'm going to take tomorrow and, and even all night long uh, that I'm going to take. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now that sounds like it's a pretty good, okay, that's an okay thing to say, God, if there's any way, please. But I want your will to be done and not mine. Okay, but he prayed that three times for probably about an hour. Every time that he prayed, he was praying this and he's like, I, I do want your will to be done and the spirit is willing but if there's any way to get this away from me, the flesh is really, really weak, really weak. And it's like he was dealing with this and he was beginning to get distracted from all of the thoughts of everything that I'm going to have to go through tomorrow. And, and so it's really easy. He began to pray and began to seek something, even though he knew what his purpose was, he began to seek something. This is Jesus. This is God, his son in the flesh. And yet even his flesh made him question his purpose and say, maybe there's some other way. Maybe I can do it differently. Maybe I don't have to, his flesh, this flesh, when he took on the flesh, he took all this on him and he struggled with this. So, you know, don't feel so bad about yourself when sometimes you don't feel like getting off the sideline. You just like, I mean, sometimes you just like to sit on the sidelines, don't you? 
Sometimes you don't want to have to have to get, don't, so don't feel too bad because Jesus had to fight this flesh down too. And that's what he was doing. The flesh kept saying, there's got to be another way, got to be another way. And then the spirit would come in. Nevertheless, if there's not a way, I want your will more than mine. That's got to be the end result of the prayer over our purpose is we've got to always get to that place of saying, nevertheless, I have to fulfill my purpose. Whatever you have decided is best for me. I know it's what's, that's the thing that's going to make everything else work in life. And if this, this the, me fulfilling my purpose, if that doesn't connect, then nothing else will connect in my life and say, okay, so I accept it. Distractions, I admit, has there ever been, I don't know, I, you know, from what I understand, there's never been a generation with more distractions than our generation today, right? I mean, just look, television. Do you know that today you have 50% more TV channels in your home than you had five years ago? Okay, uh, that's the average. Some of you have more, some of you have less. But that's the average. Considering cable and digital uh, TV, uh, uh, satellite TV, we have about 50%. So however many you had, you got, about, you got half that many again. But you know how many you're actually watching? That number over the last five years has not changed. So most of us, the average has gone from about 120-something to 180-something channels in the average in the average American's home, yet we're watching, uh, five years ago, we were watching 17.3 channels, okay, because that's an average, right? And now we're watching 17.5 channels. Okay, so really it hadn't changed. Even though we've got, we got another 60 channels to watch, we're not watching them. You know what that tells me? It tells me we got a whole lot more distraction than we need because then what do you do is you sit there and you flip through all those channels, you know, just see, there might, may, maybe there's something on here to watch. I mean, how many times have you said, with 180 plus channels and you still said, there is nothing to watch on TV. And yet you still sit there and watch the nothing that is on TV. Come on somebody, amen, oh me or something. I mean, you can kill a half hour just flipping through, looking through nothing. I mean, you and I, we've got all kinds of distraction opportunities. Like movies, you know what, movies used to be something that you actually went to a theater to watch. You know, and then th there were these things, uh, way back in ancient history, there was things called video players, VCRs. You know, I'll tell you all about those sometimes. These VHS HS tapes, and you could buy them, take them home, and, and you put them in, you know, and, and, and you watch them. And, you know, and, and so then, wow, we can actually do this. And, and, and then came the DVDs, and so now you can just, you know, go up to Walmart or a drugstore and go out, you know, and put a dollar in and get, rent you a movie or whatever. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that because you've got, you know, pay-per-view or on-demand right now. You can watch it. And if I, I got to be careful here. If I, get too, if I get too boring right here in a, in a few minutes, everybody in here with a smartphone can be watching a movie in just a couple of minutes. I mean, we've got it all around us. Sports, okay, that's mine. Okay, so let me, let me just go ahead. Let me get on us since, you know what I mean? So I'm not getting on you guys too much about your TV or movies or whatever. But let me get on us. Uh, sports, I mean, you got football. Football hasn't even ended and basketball's already started. I mean, football hadn't even got started good and basketball has started. And before basketball is over, baseball will start. And before baseball is over, and then, then football will start again. The big three in our country, they overlap. 
And if the NBA adds just a few more games, I think the NBA is going to overlap itself on a yearly basis because there's just so many things going on. And then you add soccer and hockey and golf and tennis and NASCAR. And because Brandon's here, I'll have to say, and pro wrestling, even though you and I know it's not really a sport, uh, but we'll have to say it for Brandon. Uh, and Marlon, and Marlon, wherever Marlon's at also. Uh, you know, but we've got all the, and the, but that's not all. And now we even have fantasy leagues. We can fantasize about the games because they're not exciting enough just by watching them as they are. Which incidentally, just to let you know, right now I am winning one of the fantasy football leagues here at the church. I just wanted you to know that, okay? And I'm a rookie. Okay, but anyway. And then just the internet. Let me, let's just talk about the internet just a little bit. Emails, texts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. LinkedIn, Google Plus, Vine, Snapchat. Did I miss anybody's favorite? I mean, can you imagine if you were on air? Is there anybody that's on all of those? Thank God. We had to get you counseling right now if you were. Can you imagine, though, just being on four or five of those? To just pay, I mean, how much time can you kill? Uh, distractions. L let's talk about distractions just a little bit. Distractions sometimes are good. Sometimes you need a distraction. You know, when, when, when you're going through a really tough time in your life, sometimes you need a distraction. When you're tired, sometimes you need a distraction. Let me tell you some things about distractions. They can be good in moderation. You know, but if you've got, if you've got, you know, if you're connected about seven or eight of those social media apps, then you're not in moderation. You know, it's good in moderation. Jesus took his disciples away sometimes when they were overworked and the crowds got too big. He took them away. They needed some distraction. It's good in moderation when it's for the right purpose, when it's for renewal and refreshing. But when it keeps you from doing the things that you need to be doing, when it keeps you from accomplishing, when it keeps you from working a job, I mean, if you're not getting your job done, you need to turn off Facebook, right? And, you know, if you've got kids, put the phone down. Turn the, turn the computer off. You know, if, if you've got, you know, the big joke around here, which I've already made it already this morning also, is a couple of people sitting by each other and, you know, they're on the phone. So y'all texting each other? You know, we don't, you know? And, and we make that joke all the time. We see people, it seems like we're doing that, don't we? Because we, we can get so caught up in it. They can be good, but they can become unhealthy when they keep us from, when they keep us from life. When it keeps you from life, when it keeps you from really connecting with someone. I, I don't know how many Facebook friends I've got, over a thousand. I doubt that I've, you know, there's probably less than, uh, you know, a hundred or so on there that I could actually, you know, call if I were, or I guess Facebook message if I had a flat and they would come help me with the flat or bring me some gas if I ran out of gas. You know, that word friends is kind of being stretched there a little bit, isn't it? It's unhealthy if it's keeping you from life. And it's absolutely fatal if it keeps you from hearing the voice of God. When do you hear God? You know, that's why a lot of people ask me about music and stuff, and, and hey, I'm into music. I'm in, you know, raised in that. And my, I mean, when I was 13 years old, I was playing the drums in my mom's, my mom's group, she and her sisters. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the era where if you were in church, you know, you had a singing group. I mean, everybody had a singing group. You know, you were traveling. And so I was playing the drums. So music's a big part of my life. I really enjoy our music here. But riding down the road, I very, rarely listen to the, I very rarely listen to the radio because it is some of the most precious time to me because it's the only time that it's just me and God. 
It's, you know, nobody else is running along beside my car at 65 miles an hour down the interstate trying to get my attention. You know, if I, if I can ignore the phone for just a couple of minutes, you know, me and God might have some. When, when does God talk to you? You know, if you're not careful, the distractions become more than distractions. And if you're not careful, here's what you'll do is this fourth thing up here. You'll use them to hide from the pain that is around you. Instead of having to deal with somebody's pain, it's just a whole lot easier to just, you know, comment on somebody's post about something bad going on in their life. Just say, oh, we're praying for you. And 30 minutes later, when you finally shut down Facebook, turn off your phone or whatever, you've totally forgotten that you told someone you to pray for them. We, we use our distractions often to hide from the pain. That's, that's what George was doing, George Bailey in the movie. That's what he was doing. He, he saw the pain. He saw the harshness of life in Bedford Falls, and he says, I got to get out of here. I don't want to eat ground floors. I don't want to be married. I do not want to live here. I got to get out of here. We need, or also, we, we, we uh, hide behind them to escape our own purpose. We don't have to deal with our purpose when we're escaped into our, our social media apps, football, or whatever it is that you like to do that is your distraction. Be careful you don't hide. Hide there too long. And I'm praying God finds you if you're hiding today. And he drags you out from behind your distractions. Embrace your purpose. I gotta, I gotta say this, I gotta hurry right here, but I, I gotta say this, embrace your purpose. And, and here's the thing you need to understand, is when you embrace your purpose, life does not become a bed of roses. All of life's problems don't go away because you embrace your purpose. As a matter of fact, they may ramp up just a little bit. Doing good doesn't insulate you from trouble. Sometimes good deeds are punished. You know, you ever heard that? Every good deed is punished. Sometimes good deeds are punished. Yeah, sometimes that's true. You do right and you get punished for it. We've had that happen a lot as a church. Do right and then somebody twists it into something else and says, oh, that church had a, an ulterior motive or whatever. Oh, that happens. But if you tell you something, doing wrong gets you punished even more. There will always be opposition. Whether you're doing right or doing wrong, there will always be opposition. So don't imagine that doing right is gonna get rid of all the opposition, it won't. Some days, whatever can go wrong does go wrong. Murphy's Law, yes, some days Murphy's Law is in effect. Not, and just because you're fulfilling your purpose doesn't mean Murphy's Law goes out the window. And the playing field of life is never level. It'll always favor somebody in the world above you. But there'll always be somebody in the world who is less favored than you by the, by the life's playing field. And nice guys sometimes, yes, they do finish last. I mean, all these little sarcastic sayings that we're kind of playing off of here, they've got some truth there. And it's somebody that was trying to be a nice guy and they finished last and they just got, you know, just sarcastic said, nice guys finish last. I'm tired of being a nice guy. Sometimes nice guys do finish last. And sometimes bad guys don't get punished in the time frame that we would like for them to get punished. But there is always a day of reckoning. But it's just sometimes we don't see it right here. Like, you know, like uh, Mr. Potter in the movie. Or like Herod, who's so bent on killing Jesus as a small child because he didn't want another king that he killed every child under the age of two years old in the whole area. You know, it, it looks like he didn't get punished, but he did. You just gotta wait, you just gotta watch it. Sometimes, sometimes all that and all that, all that, but listen, the bad in life is not the reason to quit. It's the reason to stand up and do what's right.
It's the reason to stand up for what is right. It's the reason to fight because there is bad in life. You know, like Herod, imagine what if Herod had found Jesus when he was a baby, when he had all those babies under the age of two years old killed. What if he had found Jesus and had, and had killed Jesus? And you know what? He almost did. The three wise men that came by and they were looking for him and they ran into Herod and Herod said, hey, when you find him, let me know so I can worship him. We know now that wasn't what he wanted. He actually wanted to kill him. But the three wise men, or four or five, however many they were, they didn't know, they didn't know what Herod wanted, but being warned in a dream, they realized. And so you know what they did? They did something dangerous. They, listen, think about this, they ignored a king. Herod could have had them arrested, thrown in jail. He could have had their head taken off of them. Happened to John the Baptist at the decree of a Herod. It could have happened to them but they did what was right. Let me throw a bunch more what, what ifs at you. What if Mary, when Gabriel spoke to her in the middle of the night, said, Mary, Mary, let me tell you, you're gonna have a child. What if she just said, no, thank you. Purpose. What if Joseph, when, when he found out that Mary was pregnant and he knew it wasn't his child, I mean, it was, per, it was obvious to him, he knew it was not my child. What if he had said, I know I've made a commitment to you, but I, I, I'm leaving that commitment. I think I got something over here working. You know, and I, oh, I need to throw that at you on commitment in every level. And I don't just mean in your relationships and in your marriages, but in your jobs and in other things that you commit yourself to. You don't walk away from, you make a commitment, you don't just walk away from that and say, I think I got something else working over here that might be a little bit better. You don't just do that. We're talking about purpose. What if there had not been a census called they would not have been in Bethlehem. Why was that important? For the same reason they needed to not be in a hotel. You know, there was no room in the inn, and so Jesus had to be born in a stable, and they were in a stable. Why did they need to be in a stable? If they were in a four-star hotel, which I don't think there were any in Bethlehem back in those days, but if they were in a four-star hotel, nobody could get to them. The doors would be locked. Nobody would be there. They were in a stable, a stable that anybody had access to. You get that? Here's the purpose. Sometimes it looks like life is just crazy. It's like, why would God want me to, to have this baby in a stable? Mary and Joseph could be saying, why in the world? This can't be God's will. Anybody ever thought that? What's going on in my life cannot be God's will. Mary and Joseph had to be thinking that when, when a baby's being born in a stable, the son of God being born in a stable, but the stable was the only place in town that everyone had access to. There was purpose in everything that was going on. Like the shepherds, you know the shepherds? What if, what if when the angels came to them, now, okay, I'm telling the story, so I'm saying they're asleep, and the angels wake them up. And what if when the angels said, behold, bringing good tidings of great joy, there's a baby born that is the son of God that, it, that uh, is bringing peace to the earth, and then they all started singing in the, in the skies, and after they were done, the, the shepherds said, wow. And they rolled back over and went to sleep. You know, okay, if they weren't asleep, maybe they just said, wow, but you know, it's really, really late. Why don't we wait till tomorrow and go down to Bethlehem? It's a little late to go into town now. The last thing we hear about the shepherds is after they went and they saw Jesus, when they left, they started telling everybody about the angels, showing and just filling the sky and singing and about exactly what they had heard. They went and they found, and here is the Messiah. They heard and told and so, and you know what it says? It says, and people were amazed. They, were, they marveled at the story when they told them this as they began to spread the word about Jesus being born. If the shepherds had gone back to sleep, 
there would be no story to tell. There would be no testimony to give. There would be no awesome and there would be no one who was awed. It's about purpose. It's about the place God's called you and everything, all the miracles and blessings and the needs you have that you need God to meet for you, all of these things are wrapped up in a purpose. Can't say no. I got two more up there, I know. I want to tell them to you down here. Can you join me? Let's stand. And if you're a first-time attender, we like to close down here with a final thought, prayer, and a song. And so if, if, you're, if you're comfortable, please join us. We'd love to have you join us. Just two little things thrown up there real quick. There at the end. And we'll pray and sing a final song. Press on in just a little bit. Good crowd this morning. You worried me a little bit. Showing up like right on time, but glad you're here. Let me ask again. Because this may sound like we're just talking about them, but yeah, we're talking about what God wants us to do out there. But there's purpose in that. Let me ask you again. How many of you need God to do amazing in your life? Raise your hand. Get his attention with it. Say, God, I need some amazing this week, right now. I, I, I do. God, I need some amazing. There's some people standing here before me that need some amazing healings. Somebody here needs an amazing interview for a job. Someone here needs an amazing pay raise to be able to make it just another month or two. Somebody here needs an amazing healing in their family, in their marriage. Somebody here needs an amazing help just to get into school next semester. I need amazing, God. Instead of just standing here and telling him and telling him and telling him, I, I told the prayer team this right before service. You know, prayer is not about telling God what our needs are. He already knows. That's not what it's about. So instead of just standing here and telling God, telling God, embrace your purpose. And get busy doing what it is he's called you to do. And then let him take care of what you can't do for yourself. That's what he's saying. Prayer team members all around you, though, and, and please, you see somebody with a, you, you need prayer, just grab, grab their hand. You should, you can say they're at lanyard, hanging around their necks as prayer. They want to pray for you. They are dying to pray for you right now. So, so don't, don't misunderstand this. Last two things right here. What if Joseph had not taken Jesus to Egypt? You see, Herod was going to kill all these kids so that he could get to Jesus. God warned Joseph in a dream, said, you need to take Jesus out of here. Jesus and Mary, get them out of here because something bad's going to happen. What if Joseph had not listened and not gone to Egypt? All of his purpose, everything he had done, the, the shame of being married to someone, and back in those days, it was a whole lot worse than anything you've ever experienced in our day. But the shame of being married to someone who was pregnant and wasn't your, wasn't your child, all of that that he had gone through, all the trouble he had gone through by taking her to Bethlehem and having the baby born in a manger, all these things. And yet still the purpose would have been aborted if he had not done this too. It's like, catch this, all the good that you've done to this point, all the purpose that you've fulfilled to this point, if you stop today, you'll abort the purpose. You gotta keep going. You got to get up. You got to fight one more. You know, so, some, sometimes we don't get it. You know, that, that illustration I was talking just look, as we were beginning, I was talking about getting into the game. You know, some pe people that don't play sports, that don't know, sometimes they don't get it. And they, they say, oh man, you know, teams behind by 
by two points, you know, and, and, and a football game's going on, teams behind by two points, the clock is winding down. You know, they need a field goal, they need a field goal, they need 30 more yards. And, and say, so, oh, that's a lot of pressure on that quarterback. He lives for it. I just got to get us close enough for a, for a field goal. And then you're looking over there at that field goal kicker. Nobody's talking to him. Oh, man, he must feel really, really lonely. Nobody's talking to him because he's focusing. I've got a purpose. And you know what he's praying? You know what he's dying for? He's dying for the opportunity to kick one more time. Come on. You got to embrace your purpose and just die for the opportunity to pray one more prayer. To, to tell one more person about Jesus Christ and how awesome he has been in your life. To challenge somebody else, to live for somebody else. Because what, I got, I got to hurry right here. What if Jesus had not been born? What if Jesus had not been born? Can you imagine your life today if Jesus had not been born? Erase everything that's happened in the last two hours. Even getting ready for church, erase all of that. Erase so much in your life if Jesus, but here's the good news, he was born. He was born, and he lived for you, and then he died for you. And because he was born, life is different. This world is different. Eternity is different. Your marriage is different. Your kids can be different. Your relationships, your, your, your future is different, and your past is different because Jesus died. Yes, go ahead. You, let's give him a hand of praise. Amen. Because he was born. I, I got to say this real quick when I have a word of prayer. I got to say this real quick. Somebody around you is dying today. Somebody around you is hurting so bad. Somebody standing right here next to you or somebody in, close to you at work, they are hurting so bad today. And the heart of Jesus is not for us to sing 14 more songs right now. The heart of Jesus is for you to sing about this blood that washed away our sins here just a few moments ago, that sets us apart, that gives us victory over everything, and for you to take that to somebody who is hurting out there. And here's what I want to ask you to do also. When, when Jamie closes in just a moment, I want you to not hurry it down that aisle because I want you to know there are people right around you right now that are hurting too. Standing here doing everything they can to hold it together. Encourage somebody. Shake a hand. Hug a neck. Tell them Merry Christmas or something to just encourage them today. Let's pray. Father.